Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas, and we are doing Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me. I have a special privilege for you and an opportunity for us to hear from Anton Kresik. Uh, Anton Kresik started a, a business uh, about a year and a half ago, and I'm not going to step on it. I'll let him promote it and, and share uh, all the all the details of it, but I just want to give you this brief intro. The name of it is Seven Weeks Coffee, and he will give you the explanation of how that all came about and what God is doing in his life. Anton, thank you so much for joining me for Life Over Coffee. Well, I'm so happy to be here, Rick. I love the name of your show, obviously, and thanks for letting me come on and share a little bit about Seven Weeks Coffee. At the end of this uh, interview, I have a lightning round that uh, I uh, that you don't know the questions I'm going to ask you, but I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you what the last question is. Uh, the, your second favorite Christian ministry that has the word coffee in it. Okay, so I want you to give that some thought, and hopefully you'll give the right answer when we get to the end. All right, so you're uh, Anton Kresic. You're from Cleveland, uh, Ohio, and uh, you now live uh, in Virginia near D.C. Uh, so uh, let's just hit a couple highlights, and then we'll drill down into this. And I want to go in a couple different directions. Uh, but first of all, uh, Seven Weeks Coffee, what is it? Yeah, so Seven Weeks Coffee is a pro-life coffee company with a simple mission um, to have a tangible impact supporting life-saving services at pregnancy care centers. And we do that by donating 10% of every sale, which is a huge portion of our profits. And just in a year's time, we raised over $40,000 since we got started, um, and we've been able to support over 250 centers. So it's pretty simple. When you drink coffee with us, you're truly going to be help supporting life-saving services at pregnancy care centers. Yeah, that's excellent. And uh, so what does seven weeks mean? So when I had the idea for a pro-life coffee company, I wanted to find a way to connect it. Um, and so I found out um, through the help of my wife, who's a nurse, she said, when is a baby the size of a coffee bean? And that's where the name comes from. At seven weeks, a baby is the size of a coffee bean. And at the same time, a heartbeat is clearly detectable under ultrasound. So usually a mom is getting the ultrasound between six and eight weeks. And pregnancy care centers provide free ultrasound services um, as their main way to help a mother um, actually understand the life within her womb. And so we get to support that through the sale of our coffee. So that's where we get the name. Yeah, that's an outstanding visual. And so if any of you, uh, you go in your kitchen, if you grind your own coffee, just pull out a, a coffee bean and and just look at it. Uh, just just mm -hmm. look at it and reflect upon what that is. Uh, so I, I I love the idea. I I I love what you're doing. I think it's fantastic. Let me get some dates. Let me get some chronology. Sure. Uh, so when did you move to D.C. from from uh, Cleveland? Uh, in 2019. So I graduated college in 2019. I really didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to get involved in the political process um, as a conservative and as a Christian. And I was like, well, the place to do that is a D.C. So I moved down here then to get an internship. And I've been here ever since. All right. So I want to pin that one because that's one of the paths I want to go down. Uh, and, and now you have a wife now. So mm -hmm. you, you did not have a wife when you moved to D.C. Is that correct? So when I did, did not. You, <laughs> when, when, when did you meet, engage and get married? What are those days? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny how God just moves you into different seasons of life. Um, I moved down here in 2019 
I was here for a few months, then get a full-time job offer. Um, and so I go back home to pack up the rest of my life for a few weeks. And during that time I'm back home, I meet my now wife um, at our church. So the church I used to go back in Cleveland, Ohio, she was there one night, a young adults night, and we really hit it off. But it was funny because I was literally quite literally moving away um, permanently. Um, but we hit it off so well, we stayed in touch. And then, um, you know, Christmas and holidays, I was going back and then COVID happened. I was back for a while, actually. So God kind of used, you know, different things that we were able to, you know, get to know each other. Um, and we dated for or over a year and a half. And then we got engaged and married last year. All right. So 2019, you, you moved to DC and that's right when you, what's your wife's name? Krista. That's when you, right when you met Chris, you said she was a, uh, at your, was she attending your church? She was invited through a mutual friend. Um, so she was not attending okay. like I was. I, I grew up at a local church in the Cleveland, Ohio area, um, you know, from a young, young middle school all the way through, you know, young adults in college, I would go there. And a friend of mine invited her to a young adults night um, the same time I was, um, you know, there that night. And as like I said, I was moving, moving down to D.C. So it's it's funny timing how God puts people in your life at, at different times. And it worked out great. <laughs> yeah. And so the Lord told her that she needed to be at this church uh, because she met you. Uh, that's kind of interesting. So my first Sunday at our local church a long time ago, uh, I met my future wife there. It was our first Sunday being there. And that's why I'm joking tongue in cheek. God told me I needed to be at this church from now on. Uh, I don't know if that was the Lord motivated me or the, my desire to be with this person that I eventually <laughs> married. So uh, and then after I got ma- right when we got married, I started my master's program in biblical counseling. This is another uh, parallel track. So you get married and you start a business. Now, I do marriage counseling for a living. And this is one thing I would tell a couple. If you're going to get married, uh, don't start a a master's degree or don't start a business. And so uh, you tell Krista, uh, hey, will you marry me? And I'm going to start a business. How how did that work? It's funny. It was through our engagement and through getting married. There was no plans to start a company, Um, except two weeks after we got married, I had this idea for a pro-life coffee company. I remember calling her. It was you you can look back at things, and it's funny. Like I don't, I don't know. Like God speaks to people in different ways, but when I look back on like the start of Seven Wings Coffee, you just see God's hand. How He just written, He wrote this story in such a unique way because I had no like you know. specific idea a while ago. It was a moment in time, two weeks after we married, I I've always been entrepreneurial. Um, and I just, I saw this opportunity for a pro-life coffee company and it, and it was truly like a lightning bolt moment where I felt like, wow, like there's no one doing this. And that's why I had the idea that I, I looked up, I literally Google searched pro-life coffee and I couldn't find a thing. I was like, wow, there's no one sharing this message and with the pro-life mess with the pro-life, you know, coffee, because there's tons of branded coffees. And I think a lot of it is about sharing a message and a story. And there's nothing doing it for the pro-life movement. So that's when it hit me, this idea. And I remember calling her. I'm like, Krista, I have this crazy idea for a pro-life coffee company. And um, she was totally on board from the beginning. Um, and she actually helped me come up with the name, Seven Weeks Coffee. So I hope owe her a lot of credit to the name of the company, which is um, which is awesome. Yeah, so she was okay with it. She just like she did say, "You're out of your mind." We just got <laughs> married, and 
I think there's a little hesitancy of like, hey, let's let's take this some time before we like, you know, really invest, you know, what little money we have because we just got married into starting a company. Um, so there was definitely a little bit of, of friction with that, but she definitely saw the the purpose and my my desire behind it, which is to to be a support to pregnancy care centers. And and she really believed in that and we both believe in it now. And now we look back and we think it's hilarious how God has just, you know, just has truly changed our lives in a lot of ways. Yeah, there's there's uh, there's not grace until you need it. And then when mm-hmm. you step out in faith, mm-hmm. you experience God's grace. And so uh, the the three primary spheres of all of our lives is our family, our vocation and our mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And you disrupted all three of those at the same time. Uh, you you left your church to D.C., you mm-hmm. changed vocation, and you left your family and started your own autonomous domestic empire. This is not how you do it, but you seem to be doing uh, rather well from what I understand. So God's grace has uh, been tremendously sufficient for you, obviously. All right, mm-hmm. so I got a couple paths I want to go down. But first, uh, if you could just share your faith journey, I think that would be important. So just give a a, a brief uh, snapshot of your chronology, your family, how you were reared, uh, coming to Christ, and in, in that. Absolutely, yeah. So I grew up in the uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area, and I was grateful enough to be raised in a strong Christian home. Um, grew up believing in the Lord, um, accepting Christ when I was in when I was in high school. That's when really when it became personal to me. Um, freshman year of high school, um, and the call to to live your life for Jesus, and that's you know what all of us believers should feel in our hearts when we accept Christ. And um, so, yeah, very great for that. Grew up in a great church back home. Um, and it's funny, I actually um, was even considering getting into ministry at some sense. I graduated college and actually before I moved to DC, I interned at my church and it was a three month internship. And it was one of the most divinely, you know, appointments of my life where I got to see ministry behind the scenes. And I was so moved by it, um, inspired by it. And I also, for the first time, got to see a pregnancy center. And I had no idea what that was. And it's funny how three years later, just over three years, Seven Weeks Coffee comes to fruition. And um, the pregnancy center I visited when I did that internship at that church truly, you know, laid an impact on my heart of what why the pro-life movement is so important to me. What was your degree? So I graduated with a business degree um, from Cleveland State University. When I was there, though, I played college golf, and that was a huge part of my life, actually, sports. Okay. you uh, Are you an addict? I played a lot of golf when I was in college. I loved it. I, I devoted my life to it in a sense. I was going to try to play professionally, and I didn't, um, you know, that was really all I thought about. And then I hurt my back, actually. So that's why I, I pivoted um, to coming to D.C. for an internship. But again, a total, like... You look back and how God redirects your life. You don't see it in the moment. You think, you know, your plans are, are ruined. You know, my plans to, you know, potentially play professional right. golf or ruined by an injury. But you look back, it's like, I'm so happy how God redirected my steps. You're just kind of casually saying that, but you just don't say you play golf. You know, that's like a gymnast. Uh, you, you, you've had to devote serious time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a sacrifice that you made. I mean, I'm not saying that as though I know your story because I don't. But if you're going to uh, college to play golf and you have aspirations to be a on the PGA Tour, 
you sacrificed a lot. So how big was that yeah. disappointment when you uh, damaged your back? That had to be substantial as, as yeah. far as disappointing. Yeah, it, you know, it, to, to elaborate more, you're right. I, I gave up most of my, not gave up, I, it was a great sacrifice, but from sacrifice, middle right. yeah, right. from middle, middle school through high school through college, my life was competitive golf. I played tournaments every year. I played in high school. And when I was playing in high school, the goal was to get a division one scholarship offer. Like that's what I was working towards. And I was grateful to get that at Cleveland State University. And I played division one golf for four years. And I went to Cleveland State to, you know, play golf. And I, and it's kind of like the imbalance where you look back, it's like I, I put my education to a side in a lot of sense, because you're so focused on this one aspect um, of why you're there. And, um, you know, very grateful for that opportunity and couldn't be more, you know, happy for that experience, but you definitely sacrifice a lot. And I gave up a, a lot of, you know, social life and, um, you know, other pursuits from, you know, internships and, you know, what my career was going to be outside of that. And then when I did hurt my back, um, I was playing in pain for like two years. And so when I finished my senior season, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And it felt kind of, um, you know, there's a, there's a, bottomless feeling in your stomach like wow i just gave my life to this and i don't have much to show for now um i don't have a degree i like i don't have a you know a ton of other skills i like but um i just trusted in god and um i think that's where he kind of just provided you know the next steps which was an amazing internship at my church and then an opportunity to move to dc yeah it's really phenomenal i mean uh it's it's i, I don't want to make I won't make a careful analogy here, but it's like divorce. It's like death. It's anything that you completely are devoted to. Yeah. And then it's taken away. It creates a void in your life. And that can really be a, a, a grieving and dark time for someone. Uh, but mm -hmm. God's mercy, it seemed like the pivot, uh, you know, came quickly. Mm -hmm. What what quality do you have and what quality uh, would you want to see in someone who was moving down a path to be a professional golfer and it's the same quality of grinding uh, to build a business i mean either direction there has to be i mean more than one quality but mm -hmm. which one comes to mind if someone was thinking about starting a business like you really need to possess mm -hmm. this 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 needs mm -hmm. to be a gift from god that he has given you because mm -hmm. you're going to need this to to do what you need to do because it's not you're going you, you can be an overnight success in 10 years yes that, that's a great question and what i've learned through playing competitive golf and college golf and even in this business there's a lot of skills that i didn't realize i learned and that's that's two main ones discipline um and execution uh discipline meaning like when i was playing college golf like my entire college was was mapped out. We had our fall season. We had our time. We had to be on time. We had to be at practice. We had to compete. We had to get everything we needed to get done to to continue to play. And that's a huge thing I learned, you know, throughout you know eight years of playing competitive golf. Then execution, like being able to like finish the task and to um, map things out and 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 really to take ownership of like your life. Um, that's why I'm actually I. I think sports are such a great uh, tool to obviously minister to. I'm a huge fan of like FCA fellowship of Christian athletes. And eventually down the road, I want to get back into it. Cause I learned so much about life playing college golf and like how to 
um, you know, these behaviors you need to, to function and to even start a business. Um, but yeah, without being self-disciplined and without having the ability to kind of like execute on your task in front of you, your mission, um, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to start your own business. So those are really important skills to have. Yeah. And then, uh, also, uh, there has to be a hope element involved, meaning there's an object out there yes, that you, absolutely. that you're, fixated on and vision mm-hmm. that that creates the gravitational pull to get to that goal but discipline and execution exactly. are the are the pathways that take you but you, you you do have to have a hope or a goal now yours was golf for the glory of god uh but he gave you back trouble and mm-hmm. so now you still have execution and discipline but the object has your, your aspiration and goal has changed. And mm-hmm. I'll ask you about that in just a moment. But all right, so I'll go back to what I got pinned on the wall over here. So you're in D.C. Why did you go to D.C.? I went to D.C. on a it's on a very visionary and maybe a little um, ignorant, I'd say, like vision to to get involved in the political process, to help make an impact for good. Um, a, a very kind of like without understanding how DC works, but I truly moved to DC because I was passionate about politics and I was passionate about conservative and godly issues. Um, you know, using those in policy, like that's a huge, um, as Christians overlooked area, I think is we sometimes forget that we need to take an active role and, um, what happens in Washington, because it definitely affects culture, um, from a moral perspective. So that's why I moved here. And I really didn't know much about it. Um, and there's a lot of lessons I definitely learned from it. <laughs> Did uh, you have a job uh, before yes. you left? Okay. And was it with Charlie Kirk or someone else? So I, I worked at an internship um, when I first moved down here um, called the Leadership Institute. It wasn't with uh, Charlie Kirk. And then I got a full-time job offer to do fundraising. And one of our clients was Turning Point USA. So uh, Charlie Kirk and his organization, Turning Point USA, was a client of ours where I uh, did fundraising for them and a host of other clients. So it was really cool to have an internship and then get a full-time job where I felt like I was starting to get involved and uh, get settled. Uh, So, uh, and you got discouraged by the politics i'll just say it generally because i don't want to i don't want to call out any names or you know draw attention to anyone in particular but politics in general is that fair you, you became discouraged i think i learned a few things one um yeah i think there's a lot of understanding that i had to to just realize when i moved to dc one that there's a lot of money involved um on both sides of the aisle um and that your your reputation as a person, um, it really, it really, um, depends on like your resume, you know, like, um, if I'm an intern, I don't have much to show for, and that kind of puts you at a certain tier, but if you have a better title, a better, you know, a prestigious organization behind you, there's kind of a totem pole to that. And, um, not that it applies to everyone. There's a ton of amazing people here. And I've met some truly amazing, godly, people that I respect and, you know, want to be more like, um, but there's, there is a pool, I think, um, in general, where there's just a lot of money involved in, in DC. And, um, I think people can get overlooked, um, and you kind of miss those relationships that you would otherwise have in different places because you maybe don't have a prestigious title or, or something like that. Yeah. And that, that's not, 
so much unusual mm-hmm. from how life works, you know, as the, the cliche is, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And exactly. there's there's a networking element with, I mean, we, even within biblical counseling, which is what I do for a living, mm-hmm. it, there's definitely a networking element. And it's, it's hard to get a luck, leg mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, who would be uh, one name of like an, an authentic Christian, like uh, very pleased that I got to meet this person that other people would know? Um, there's there's a couple people, but when I first moved here, and this is a total God moment, I didn't know a single person. Um, and I didn't know anyone in the area. I didn't know a church to go to. So I was like, I want you to find a church at least. So I looked up a church. It's called McLean Bible Church. It's a massive church, biggest church I've ever been to. And I sit down. Um, I end up sitting to sitting next to two amazing people who are still very close friends um, who are strong Christians and work in the conservative moment, movement. Um, a good advisor of mine is named Richard Norman. Um, he he owns um, a fundraising organization, raising money for amazing Christian nonprofits and things like that. Um, and he's actually an advisor for Seven Weeks Coffee. But um, those are probably the couple people I look up to is like, wow, they've really like spearheaded um um, staying pure to the mission of, of, as, as Christians and as conservatives and, um, someone I, you know, look up to and emulate, um, it was, it was a really cool God moment. I, I love sharing that story with people. Like you, it's funny who you meet just sitting in the pews. Right. Was there, uh, just the slightest temptation towards selfish ambition that if I compromised this, I could, you know, jump two steps on the ladder. Is that temptation? Was that something for you? I think, sure. I think there's a tug in everyone's heart. It's an, there's no temptation that, you know, I think anyone's, you know, free from, you know, facing. I think it's, it's easy to face that. It's about surrounding yourself with a good community around here. And luckily we've been able to find an amazing home church, have some really good mentors and great friends to stay away from that. But yeah, there's, there's, it's easy to maybe try to get caught up in, you know, kind of how DC operates and works. Um, and as Christians, we want to be, you know, light in that in an arena and in, in that environment, but not a part of it. Um, that's, that's, you know, really something that we always have to be aware of. All right. So, uh, you're, you're transitioning. And so was there a moment, a defining moment for you where it's just like, you know, this is not a career path that I want to go down. Did something happen or was it just over a period of time that you were losing heart and, and God began to, you know, move your heart in another direction? How, so talk me through that transitional window as you were shifting from political fundraising and marketing and so forth Mm -hmm. to what you're doing now. I think there was always a tug in my heart that there's something else down the road. And I've always been very entrepreneurial. Like I've always wanted to start my own business. Not that I've ever done that before, but I've always been fascinated by it and interested in by it. Um, so I think the two years that I was kind of doing political fundraising, God was actually preparing for me in a sense, because I didn't, I needed to learn a lot of things. And I'm happy to admit that, like I said, I played college golf and I gave a lot of my life to that, but not a lot of my life to learning, you know, to skill sets, business skill sets and writing and political fundraising is a great skill to learn um, just how that all that works. And it actually has benefited me greatly with Seven Weeks Coffee on how to market, how to talk about your product, write about your product. So I was so doing that for two years was an amazing learning experience. And um, yeah, and then obviously, like I said, just being entrepreneurial and having this idea for a pro-life coffee company, it just clicked right away that like, I want to go after this. 
Yeah, so the seed was planted early on back in Cleveland when you were part of the church ministry and you, mm-hmm. you, you know, visited or had some exposure to pro-life movement. And yes. now there's disenchantedness with this career path. And so God is now giving you a vision for uh, seven weeks. Your wife also happens to be Krista, a nurse, so she's in the medical community. And, and so mm-hmm. there's some familiarity there. All right, so you start. Uh, you say, uh, honey, uh, I'm going to start a business. Like, how, how do you, that's ex nihilo, out of nothing. I mean, how do you do that? It, it's truly out of nothing. It was, um, once the idea hit me though, I knew I had to like, just, just start, start somewhere. And I remember. Um, what just, is that? What's that step? The first step was trying to design just the logo of what it wanted to look okay. like. That's what I did. It was, it, it's funny. I have this. It, it's all mapped out. I remember the day I had the idea. I tell Krista, we come up with the name a few hours later. And I was like, I'm going to just try to work on it. I remember working all that first night, just like trying to come up with a logo. And I was like, there needs to be a heartbeat in it. There needs to be a heartbeat because that's going to be the logo. That's going to be the look. And I just had that in my head. And it took me like probably a couple of months to really to get down to our final logo, which is what it is now. And then it was it was step by step. I knew nothing about you know e-commerce. I knew nothing about coffee. I just was reading starting an e-commerce company on Shopify, trying to build a website, you know, the first version of our website looked terrible. And, you know, you just start with something. It's truly, you you just start with something. Um, And if that's any advice I can give someone, if you looked at our website now and said, you know, how do you get there? I I couldn't do that overnight. And I'd said, I agree. I didn't do it either. Like the first version I had was a very, you know, mediocre website at best. We sold two different types of coffee. and we, you know, we just started with what we had and then you slowly grow from there. Yeah, I, I tell people, uh, in fact, I just had this meeting a couple of weeks ago with someone that's one started a business. And I was talking about logo marketing and websites and so forth. And I said, it's like your furniture in your home. Uh, you arrange it, uh, but you're not married to it. And then, you know, six months later, you just rearrange it or buy new furniture. And so don't mm-hmm. get so dialed in. We're we're like on our fourth iteration of a logo. We're on our sixth gen website, and so and a lot of that's financially driven. I mean, you know, as you have money and then and yeah. you learn more more about it, it, it evolves, and so you don't have to sweat it. Like I've got to nail it like the first time on the logo, the mission statement, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, so there you went, and so you're off and and running, and you you have a website. You kind of selling coffee. Are you familiar with uh, positioning marketing? Um, not particularly. No. What What do you mean by that? Okay. So positioning marketing is it's an old book. I would encourage you to uh, Google it and get it. Uh, I think it was written in the eighties. But the idea is is that you don't create anything new. Is that what you because we live in an overcommunicated society, and so the book positioning marketing is just story after story after story of companies that started and they use this idea called positioning marketing which means that you don't create something new but you tag on something that is already in people's minds and so we see an illustration of this in acts when paul was going up mars hill he was he was a proponent of positioning marketing uh, but when he was going up mars hill he, he noticed all these gods and so then when he came to the unknown God, uh, he said, oh, here's the unknown God. So they already knew gods in their mind. 
Mm-hmm. And so it was already in their mind. And so he just took that and then he began to explain to them the true and living God. Well, the interesting thing about what you have done, thinking of positioning marketing, if you've, you've taken two ideas that people already know. It's already in their heads. And so you're not mm-hmm. shoving new information into their minds. And so you're hooking on what they already have. And those two things are coffee which is absolutely ubiquitous. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, that's why our brand is coffee because everybody already knows we're not creating something new. It's just two people talking over coffee, doing life over coffee. So you have that position in everybody's mind. And then you have the pro-life mission, Mm -hmm. uh, the the pro-life vision. Well, that's already in people's minds too. And so in my view, your marketing is brilliant because you you're already capitalizing on what virtually everybody knows by taking exactly. coffee and taking uh, uh, abortion and pro-life and putting those things together. And you have a marketing plan, which I just thought it was brilliant. That's why I was wondering if you were familiar with that term of positioning marketing, because you have capitalized on two things. Usually they just capitalize on one. If I could just put one thing in somebody's mind, but you're coming at it from two different directions. It's a wonderful blend. If I could use that pun. <laughs> so, uh, and so now you had to go find a market, uh, I mean, uh, find a coffee company. So who mm-hmm. did you, uh, who did you land on and how did that happen? We, it's funny. We ended up cold. I cold called the coffee company. I wanted to find someone who was, you know, probably, you know, at least Christian or okay with the pro-life mission. Cause that was important. You want to find someone that, you know, is totally supportive of what we're doing. So I cold called around and I came across Genesis coffee labs. They're a coffee roasting company. Um, where are they? To- they were in Alaska and they're also in North Carolina. So they have two locations. Um, they're a roasting house. Um, where, where are they and, in North Carolina? In the Wilmington area. Yep. Okay. On the coast. Okay. Yep. In Alaska, where are they in Alaska? I think it is called Big Lake is that it's town. Um, that's where they're originally from. So that's where their original location is from in Alaska, which is funny. Yeah. We, I cold called someone. I, I've never been to Alaska. I, I don't know. They right. d- haven't knew, knew them at all before that they've become good friends. Um, and then we've been, you know, using them as a supplier ever since. Do you drive? Uh, so do you, uh, do you go to Wilmington or, or, or have you met these people? Like, uh, yeah, oh yeah. We've met a few times in person. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and so your coffee, and they grow coffee in in uh, Ethiopia, and that's where it comes from. All right, Correct. so explain explain to the folks why this coffee is the best coffee, and why you want you have to have this coffee. I love talking about our coffee. It's 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 the second. It's a huge part of it because when I had the idea for a pro life coffee company, I was like, I think people would buy it because they're pro life. But I want people to buy it again because they love the coffee. So we right. wanted to find a very quality supplier, and that's what we you know came across with our with our roaster. They import some of the best coffee from Ethiopia, which is the home of coffee. We're directly supporting farmers with this coffee. Um, it's called direct trade sourcing, which we're able to pay them a fair and legitimate way. So quite literally helping farmers with the sale of our coffee. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's truly some of the best coffee you can drink. It's organically farmed, pesticide free, mold free. Most coffee has mold in it. Um, so it's, it's really a clean product, very low acid. Um, and it's, it's, our roaster is, is, is amazing. He's won awards. So we're providing an amazing quality product. Um, and it's so funny to hear the reviews. Like I, I, so I love reading reviews on our website where people say, I bought this coffee just cause I wanted to support the mission, but I'm 
buying it again because I absolutely love it. It's way better than Starbucks. And um, we, we love that we're able to serve two needs um, at once, like providing a really good product that's, you know, way better than than most coffees out there and also serving this great purpose. Yeah, so I'm not familiar. I mean, we grind our coffee. Uh, we use uh, Black Rifle coffee, if I could say that. Uh, and, but the reason that we use Black Rifle is because uh, we like that. I mean, from my understanding, they are doing something good. They seem to be uh, have a conservative mm-hmm. bend. But uh, we're going to try seven weeks uh, because we we like your – and so I'm publicly saying that um, – but we like causes. Um, I like your model. Uh, your model is it's not just providing a service or a product, but you're actually doing something with it, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But we look for organizations that are actually doing good. So it's not just about getting the product, but it's also the good that they are doing. Mm-hmm. But I am not familiar with this concept of mold on coffee. So apparently, yeah. you know, Apparently, you don't have to state that, but I'm assuming what you're saying is that when they, okay, well, a couple things. One, you pay the farmers more than what you have to, uh, and so the farmers in Ethiopia are are getting paid better. Uh, mm-hmm. Two, all right, so there seems to be a process, uh, the way that they do the coffee, mm-hmm. transport the coffee, warehouse the coffee before it ever gets to my kitchen counter that keeps it mold free so that's the exactly. thing exactly yeah there's a lot to it if your coffee doesn't say mold free it easily could have mold in it because that's something you'd want to advertise i think it's like over 80 percent of all coffee could have contains mold so to be outside of that is something you want to definitely share and it, it has a lot to do with the transportation process of a coffee if you think of coffee it ships on those large container ships right. that take three months across the ocean if they're not sealed properly in food stable bags they will have mold like think about like just leaving coffee beans you know in a just a burlap sack for three months in a you know probably what is a very hot shipping container it's going to get mold and get gross um but ours is all transported in the most safe way possible food stable bag so we can definitely certify there's no mold um you know pesticides and that's the organically farm part um so yeah it's a really clean product which is awesome so the genesis company uh what's their mission they want to i mean yeah they're they're doing more than just making great coffee right or yeah their whole mission is the is the the source of the coffee so they're an ethiopian coffee supplier the only import ethiopian coffee they've been in missions work there community development for almost 20 years i believe they go there every year to meet with the farmers so it's a very much a relationship to know the people who are growing the coffee know the farmers so that's why it's called direct trade meaning our roaster literally has a direct relationship with them there's no middleman um and so that's a really cool piece about it that we like to share it's like wow we really get to support farmers and have a really great impact um on both sides of the spectrum yeah so i'm speaking with anton kresik and uh he you're 26 how are you 26 now yep yeah he's 26 and so this is inspiration uh also i mean i'm an old man and uh my generation, we struggle with you. <laughs> we, we struggle with your generation. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so this should give you some inspiration and some hope that there is a, a, an army of, of young folks who love God and they want to do something for God 
So that's part of it. But the other part is, is that there, there is an eclecticness of opportunity and, and what you're doing, your specific iteration uh, is, is, is kind of unusual. Now what you're doing specifically is unique. And I do mean that word literally. And I think based on your Google search, it is unique that it is one of a kind uh, but it should be inspiring for the old folks like me that there there are people that really want to do something for God and make a difference in this world. So you started a coffee company. It's called Seven Weeks Coffee because uh, the bean size is uh, that's the size of the child at seven weeks when they're that's in the range of getting their ultrasound and the heartbeat and so forth. And so you are selling the coffee. Are you 100 percent online? Yeah, so it's all online. I think down the road, it'd be awesome to have a storefront. Um, you know, maybe we're in this area where we leave the Leesburg, Virginia area. But right now it's all online. We ship to everywhere across the United States. So you can all order your coffee there. Um, and yeah, and it's it's awesome. You have an opportunity to support life-saving services. Donating 10% of every sale is a huge portion of our profits. So, I mean, just move the decimal place over. That's how much we're donating. That's a lot of um, our profit. And it's truly like this, you know, lead with our tithe first model. And um, we want to support as many centers as we can across the country. So, uh, so in the future, you could have a brick and mortar um, out there you're selling coffee. Um, I think that'd be yeah, cool. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, I think it is cool. Uh, to me, it, it makes me tired, but you're 26. And so, yeah. <laughs> You, you can you can do that. And, and and again, because of what I was saying earlier about positioning marketing, it's not a hard sell. People love coffee. And, and that's that's our brand, too. We do life over coffee. I would love to go to a seven weeks coffee shop, you know, and do, do what I do for a living. That would be fantastic. All right. So you sell the coffee, you give 10 percent of it to um, now who who's on the receiving end, end of this uh, pro-life centers or are there other I mean, there's equipment. There's a lot involved in the pro-life yeah. industry. So mm-hmm. where do the funds go? Some of the places where the funds go. So so the main focus is pregnancy care centers, and that has to do with the original mission of I believe they're the hands and feet of the pro-life movement. And when I got to visit a pregnancy center years ago um i just was moved by what they do they're literally helping save lives they're often underfunded they're often understaffed they give away 270 million dollars of free um resources every year material aid ultrasounds it's amazing what they do there's over 3000 centers across the nation so there's a lot that needs support so that's our main focus of who we support and it's pretty simple any center can come and request support they just sign up on our website under the partner with us tab um, and then we donate to them during a month of their choosing. And just a formal process, because obviously we get a lot of requests and we just want to have a standardized process so everyone can receive funding. We've done a few donations outside of that under just the idea that we believe we're supporting pro-life organizations that are advancing and helping save lives. So there's a, um, a couple other organizations we supported and, and gladly do so. Um, obviously, the money the, mostly, though, is directed to pregnancy care centers. Has there been any blowback in our cancel culture? I have definitely gotten the hate emails, of course, um, and the comments on Facebook, which um, I don't think you can avoid those now in these days. But um, I think it's funny in a sense, because when you're standing for something, that means, um, you know, you're, people are noticing um, on both sides of the aisle. 
Um, and it's okay. You know, I, I, we have so much support and that's the most important thing. Like we live for an audience of one. Um, the whole idea is to honor God with this business and be a steward of it. So, um, and that's, that's our main focus. So the noise and the cancel culture, we'll just put that to rest. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's there. It it can take a toll on you, and mm-hmm. uh, a person's soul has to be sturdy because uh, exactly, nobody yeah. nobody likes hate mail, hate comments, and and people can be vicious. And you know, we we're on the receiving end of that too. And I do understand, mm-hmm. but it, yours would be even more volatile because mm-hmm. you, you you are in many ways the the, the pro life movement is the point of the spear, uh, culturally yeah. speaking. And yeah. so that's that's a that that's a a a difficult and potentially dangerous path. All right, so we we are recording this um, where we're early December of 2022. Uh, this podcast and video will drop uh, right before the march. Uh, are you going to the uh, March of Life uh, on January 20? Yes, absolutely. We're going to be there all weekend. We are attending the march. We're going to be also have a booth. March for Life has a big expo. So we're going to have a booth there selling coffee, uh, meeting with people who want to hear about us. So March for Life is a great opportunity. We're going to be a part of that whole weekend. Yeah, I think this is dropping January 16th. And so it'll be a few days before that march. You've been to that march before. What is it like? We went last year and it's it's so powerful. Um, It's you've it's just you just see the the goodness of god with so many people um just so excited happy passionate and absolutely just so you know poured into this pro-life movement um it was just very powerful to be at um with you know i think it's hundreds of thousands of people it's just a sea of people from all over um the dc area from across the country it's really moving. It's, it's, it's like, you realize why you're doing this. It's, it's almost numbing to know what abortion, you know, does every year. I mean, over 70, was it 70 million children have been lost since Roe v. Wade. Now it's finally overturned the biggest, you know, culture issue of our day. This end of this year is the pro-life issue, the abortion issue, which is awesome that, you know, we get to be somewhat involved in that with seven weeks coffee, um, and just the idea of like what we're standing up against and the idea that every life is, um, worth fighting for. And it's just the simple belief that everyone deserves to be loved and have the opportunity to love others. Um, I think those are winning talking points and arguments for the pro-life position. A couple of other questions. I want to ask you a philosophical question. You know, we just had the turning of, uh, uh, Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So, um, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I'm just curious about your position on it. Uh, some people, w- w- I mean, we would be uh, no abortion, but the process of getting to that actual position, uh, mm-hmm. do, do you believe it's the wise approach is to uh, try to legislate zero abortion across the board, or should there be an incremental approach where we're winning a little bit at a time because the majority of Americans are at some week or some exactly. month process. Uh, and, and some say, and again, I don't have an answer to this. I'm just, I'm mm-hmm. just asking some say, let's just fight for zero. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's most Americans are against that. And so that's mm-hmm. a hard sell. Would it be mm-hmm. better philosophically to take an incremental approach to get to zero? What's your position on that? 
or thoughts that's about a, that? That's a great question. And I've definitely thought about that. First and foremost, I'm 100% pro-life. I believe life bring, right. starts right. at conception. Um, life should be protected from conception. That should be what I believe, you know, the law of the land should eventually be. But yes, the practicalness that not everyone in the country is 100% pro-life and the majority of Americans find themselves between, um, I think it's like a first trimester ban. So most people say right. abortion, most Americans being polled would say abortion should be legal up until the first trimester. So with that, we have to realize that now abortion is a 50 state issue. There's 50 states with 50 different legislatures that um, have different opinions on what they can advance in their their states. Some states will can and can vote for, you know, no abortion, um, you know, abortion bans, which is which is awesome. You know, save the life of the child from conception. We want that. But not all states can do that. And so I definitely fall in the position we need to find the most winning pro-life legislation that can be um, turned into law. And so that means there okay. is, there's incremental steps you need to take to do okay. that because it comes down to the practicalness of the political process, which is right. not, not, um, every state would be able to pass, um, an abortion ban. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably leaning that in that position. I do know counseling's that way. Uh, I train mm -hmm. people to do counseling. And what I tell them is that when you're meeting a counselee, you have to start where they are, not where you yeah. want them to be. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And, and so you find your starting point. And, and then, you know, if, if the cross is here and they are mm -hmm. there, you have to start here. You just can't start here. And so you have to mm -hmm. incrementally bring them to Christ, whatever that means, you know, in a counseling process. All right. So one last question, then I'll do a quick lightning round and we'll wrap up. This is uh, Anton Kresic uh, with Seven Weeks Coffee. Remember both of those names because you're going to hear them again. Uh, so Eric Metaxas, how do you swing this? Um, it was through, I, I, it was awesome. Eric's always been, um, someone I've always looked up to. I've read a lot of his books. And, um, when I first started this year ago, I was like, how cool would it be to get hit, to work with him in some capacity? So a year goes by, I, I get a message from Salem media, which he works with. Eric works with Salem media. And they just talked to me about, you know, ways we can, you know, share and advertise your product to, you know, with people in our network. And one of the people they work with is Eric. So they were able to connect us. And Eric was 100% bought in of the the mission, the coffee. And he's like, I'd love to, you know, support you guys, partner with you guys. And he was able to do an endorsement video for us. And we actually just were on his podcast. So um, he, he's grateful enough to have us on as a guest. Um, very thankful for that. And uh, his wife, I think, uh, in the past worked at a pregnancy center, so he's very connected to the pro-life, pro-life movement himself personally. So, um, so grateful that uh, he was able to try our coffee, loves our coffee, and um, kind of uh, endorse it as well. Yeah, he'll give you a bigger bump than we will, but uh, I hope that we'll give you a little, a little bump. But uh, Eric, uh, I saw the commercial or the the ad that he ran uh, on his show, and it was really good. All right, lightning round, you ready? Let's do it. Just a few questions. Who's your favorite Old Testament character? Um, Old Testament, um, Moses. Who's your favorite New Testament character other than Christ? Uh, <laughs> I got to go into qualify. Um, Timothy. He was young. Ah, good answer. Uh, what kind of, what would Jesus do? Uh, what kind of coffee would Jesus drink? He would drink our light roast because it has the most caffeine and he was always up early and he would need the energy. <laughs> okay. What would you, there you go. All right. So you go to, uh, what's your web address, by the way? 
sevenweekscoffee.com, all spelled out. All right. So uh, for those of you who want to do what Jesus would do, go to sevenweekscoffee.com and get the light roast. Uh, what was your wife's reaction when you said that you were starting a business? Shocked, a little timid, but also supportive. It, she's, I have, my wife's amazing. I have the highest praise for her. She has the toughest job. She's a nurse, um, but she was, she was supportive. And that was, that was the most important part. All right. Shocked and supportive. All right. That's a good mm-hmm. one. Good for you, Krista. Thank you. All right. Number five. Uh, what are you not doing now, but you hope your business will do? We make our plans. God orders our steps. What are you doing now? Uh, uh, what are you not doing now that you hope your business will be doing in the future? I just think there's a lot of opportunity to grow. I think there's a ton of opportunity to work with churches. I'd love to see every church coffee shop turn into a pro-life coffee Uh, shop, use us as coffee, um, and just support more centers. Uh, That's okay. So that reminds me. So there's a lot of churches here uh, in the Greenville, South Carolina area, a lot of big churches. And uh, I've been here forever. I'm old. So I think I'll make some calls and uh, see if they can. They're all connected to, I mean, they have one of the tough pots will be that some of the roasters are Christians as well. And so the the churches use those roasters, but that's great. I'll make some calls and see what we can uh, do. Uh, What uh, pleasant surprise did you discover as a young business person? How many people that will care about you personally and just help you out when you need it? I think that's the biggest thing I learned is that if, Asking for for help is there's nothing wrong with that, and there's so many people that have come alongside me since I started this that have just poured their support, their energy, and and, and their time to just help me, you know, get this going because they believe in it too. So it was very, um, you know, just a positive experience. What is one challenging thing about running a business? Knowing which direction to go. There's always a lot of decisions in front of you. Um, and you only have a limited amount of time, so you can't do everything at once. And just picking picking your direction and sticking with it, I think. All right. This is the final question, and I want you to think very carefully about this. What is your second favorite Christian ministry that has the word coffee in it? <laughs> That's a tough one. Hmm. Probably um, Life Over Coffee by Rick Thomas. <laughs> okay. I, I, I thought I was going to have to hold up my little card here that said Life Over Coffee. All right. So we're going to wrap up, but I want you to wrap up. And and so just share share your heart, share whatever's on your mind, and then that will be the closing of the podcast. No, I appreciate uh, it. The, well, the, Rick, the, the podcast and the video we're doing. Fine. Wonderful. No, I just appreciate you having me on. I thank you for letting me share our story with your audience. I mean... There's, there's, I, I feel like I got to share a lot, but it's pretty simple. I mean, I'm no one special. I'm just a guy who was working a normal job with an idea to, to create a pro-life coffee company. And I remember praying that first night, like, Lord, I have this idea. I have this name. I have no customers. I hope you just allow me to sell some coffee so we can donate to our local center. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I realized what a small prayer that was, but I also realized that just take the step that's in front of you and you'll see where God takes the rest. Anton Krasik, 7weekscoffee.com. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.